BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, and welcome to the Bay. Local news to keep you rooted. It's not totally unheard of to give non citizens the right to vote in local races, like school board. It's happened in a handful of cities, including San Francisco. And now, Oakland could make it happen too. We're all familiar with the concept of no taxation without representation. In Oakland, we have neither representation or a vote for non-U.S. citizens who are Oakland residents. This week, Oakland voters will decide on Measure S, which could open the door for the city council to let non-citizens vote in local school board elections. And between the pandemic, distance learning, and school closures, there are a lot of big issues parents might want to have a bigger say in. Today, what Measure S is all about. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. The push to expand voting rights to non-citizens, which includes people who are undocumented and people who have legal permanent residence here in the U.S., has been growing around the country for years. Annalise Finney is a reporter and producer for KQED. So in 2016, voters in San Francisco passed a ballot measure that would allow non-citizen parents to vote in school board elections. But in the last year, that law was challenged by conservative advocates from Southern California, who basically said it's a violation of the state constitution to allow non-citizens to vote. That challenge was successful in the Superior Court, which means the court agreed with the people who argued that it's an unconstitutional thing to allow non-citizens to vote. And the city then appealed to the appellate court. That's where it is now. And there has been no decision on that quite yet. But I know that 
it sort of has caused other cities to sort of be afraid of maybe trying this out. And yet Oakland is still moving forward with this measure that is on the ballot. How long has Oakland in particular been looking into the idea of allowing non-citizens to vote in local school board elections? So Oakland's been looking at it for a while. In 2020, Oakland voters passed a measure that would allow for youth to vote in school board elections. So that's people who are 16 and 17 years old. At the same time, there was growing interest for extending that right to non-citizens as well. In Oakland, non-citizens make up about 14% of the population. And to a number of elected officials, and certainly to people who are non-citizens, the idea of being able to vote in school board elections was really exciting. So back in 2020, when the youth vote was passed, there was a similar push for non-citizen voting, but it seemed like the time wasn't quite yet. And they finally got around to it again this year. How did the idea to expand the right to non-citizens end up on the ballot and before voters this election? The Oakland measure, Measure S, was put forward by two city council members, Treva Reed and Dan Kalb. It also has a ton of support from different community organizations that have been pushing for this from all corners of the city for a while. Thank you. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the special meeting of the Oakland City Council. And in June, the City Council almost unanimously approved it. There were two people missing, but everybody there was in favor of it. The meeting went on for hours. It was a 12-hour meeting. And this item was one of the last ones on the list. Nonetheless, a lot of people stuck around to see how it would play out. And at the beginning of the meeting and public comment, there was a lot of support from parents and people calling in from community organizations as well. Eh, gracias. Mi nombre es Evelyn Linares. Como madre, necesito saber que las personas que nos representan entiendan las necesidades que tenemos en la actualidad y saber que los miembros de la mesa escolar que nos representan están interesados en personas como yo, que quieran ser la voz y los defensores de los niños como mi hijo. So a lot of the parents who spoke at public comment during the city council meeting talked about wanting to have a say in their children's education. And some talked about being involved in other sorts of advocacy for their children, like going to PTA meetings or making comment at school board meetings. And many felt that, you know, that those are great and powerful things. But being able to vote is the most powerful thing someone can do in a democracy. Yo soy inmigrante. Yo tengo a mi hijo eh, actualmente en una escuela. Pública. Actualmente, faltando ya dos, dos meses para salir de quinto año, se le dio la ayuda del IEP y la verdad no se me hace justo porque ahora que él va a sexto año, va arrastrando demasiados problemas. Some of the issues that parents called out specifically in the meeting were wanting to have a say in their children's IEP plans. So IEPs are individualized education plans that some students have to support their learning if they have a learning disability. Other parents also talked about wanting to have a say in school closures. That's been a huge issue in Oakland over the last year and honestly over the last decade. And parents who are non-citizens are also affected by that. So one in three students in the Oakland Unified School District are classified as English language learners. So that's a lot of people. Not all of those students have parents who are non-citizen voters, but a number do. And so that type of empowerment, having the right to vote, gives parents more power to advocate for students who are in that group of people who are learning English while also being in school for everything else. 
I've been a taxpayer for 30 years, but have never been able to vote. According to the California Budget and Policy Center, undocumented immigrants contribute over $3 billion every year to the state of California in taxes. But like Jorge Lerma said, we have taxation, but no representation. I'm looking for your leadership to change that. I want to talk now, Annalise, about this ballot measure. What exactly does Measure S do? So there's something sort of tricky about Measure S. Measure S essentially is a change to the city's charter. So that's the set of rules that define how the city works. It's sort of like a city constitution. Um, And so what S would do is give the city council the power to create an ordinance that would allow for non-citizens to vote. So sometimes I've seen it kind of get conflated as Measure S will create the right for non-citizens to vote, but it's actually only step one in that process. If Measure S passes, the city council will, in the weeks, months, or years to come, have to design an ordinance that would make that right real for people living in Oakland who are non-citizens. So it sounds like this measure just sort of opens the door for the possibility of allowing non-citizens to vote. Why do you think that detail and that distinction is so important? Well, that detail is important because it's what's protected Oakland's measure from legal challenges so far. So, like I mentioned before, the San Francisco law was challenged earlier this year by a group of conservative activists from Southern California. Those same activists earlier this year challenged Oakland's law. And what they were challenging specifically was the fact that it was going to be on the ballot. A superior court judge in Alameda said that that challenge was premature, that it's not illegal for the city to put it on the ballot, but if they do bring an ordinance, that may be unconstitutional depending on how they word it. So right now, there's a legal challenge in the wings, but it doesn't have any juice or any power yet because there isn't any ordinance to analyze whether or not the rule itself is unconstitutional. Who opposes this measure? So the official opposition that was sent out in the voter guides that made it its way to all Oakland residents is the Alameda County Taxpayers Association. The Alameda County Taxpayers Association is a group of around 50 or so dues-paying members who say that they're all about accountability. One of their strongest arguments is that this would be a waste of money. They say that because there's this pending lawsuit from these Southern California attorneys, that if the city were to bring this ordinance, it would just wrap the city up in a legal battle that would cost more money than the city has to spend on it. So another thing that the Alameda County Taxpayers Association brings up is this idea of voter dilution. So what that means, essentially, is that some people fear that if non-citizens are given the right to vote, then citizens' votes will lose power. In other words, they'll sort of be lost in the rising tide of other people voting. One city council member, Lauren Taylor, brought up this issue at the city council meeting. I want to acknowledge that there are some within our community that fear that should this get passed, uh, will dilute their vote, their ability to influence the resources that they their community and their kids receive. He's in favor of the measure, but has heard this complaint from some of his constituents. I want to say to them, I understand that that fear, that concern, but we're not working in a zero sum game. It's important to understand that when those who are disenfranchised get a vote and a voice, it helps us all. Do we know how likely this is to pass? 
Well, there's been a lot of public support in Oakland, but there hasn't been polling around this, at least not that I've seen. So we don't really know what's going to happen on Election Day. But there does seem to be a lot of people who are supporting this. And a lot of the opposition actually comes from outside of Oakland. So people who won't have a say in this election. Okay, so it sounds like there is an appetite for this idea in Oakland and that a lot of people um, are interested in at least trying to make this happen. But what are the challenges ahead around actually implementing something like this? Yeah. So if Measure S passes, the city council will then be drafting an ordinance to allow non-citizens to vote. I spoke with council member Dan Kalb earlier this week. He said he definitely has his eye on the lawsuit pending in San Francisco. And and I'm quite sure it's going to it's going to get up to the state Supreme Court um, and then see what happens there. And then we'll know what to do, that that will tell us that will tell us what our pathway is to actually achieving this important policy reform. And that could take a long time. I mean, right now it's in the appellate court, so it could be years. Um, and then if the state Supreme Court, for example, says, well, yeah, it's, it's legal if local jurisdictions want to do it, then we could take our next step. If they say, no, you have to go through some new state law, and then, then the Oakland will, will hold off uh, for a while and push for a change in state law. And then if we're successful, then we'll go implement this with an ordinance. So it's, it's taking that first step. And we think the first step is not only important, or not only essential to eventually, eventually allowing non-citizen parents to vote in school board elections, but it also could help grow a movement in, in California. And then I know too, uh, at least in San Francisco, when non-citizens, at least for a short period of time, um, were allowed to, in fact, vote in a school board election, not very many of them turned out, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's complicated. Once ordinances are passed expanding the vote to new populations, the county registrar has to go about creating new ballots and new processes for verifying whether somebody is eligible to vote. So that's a whole new process that has to be designed. And there was actually an issue in Oakland earlier this year where in 2020, the youth vote was passed. But for this election, this November, the registrar didn't quite have everything ready to allow for people who are 16 and 17 to vote in school board elections. So it takes a while for that stuff to get up and running. And in San Francisco, that process was a lot for people. And in fact, even though the city estimated that there were going to be upwards of 20,000 people newly eligible to vote in school board elections. In the first few elections, only a dozen or so, sometimes maybe up to 60 or 70 people actually turned out to vote. So on top of the logistical issues, people also worry about their immigration safety, that if you are somebody who is undocumented, that giving your information and saying that you're undocumented to a government organization is scary. It potentially puts you at risk of having your information shared with ICE or otherwise shared in ways that could make you or your your family vulnerable. My last question for you, Annalise, if this is passed, what ripple effects could there be for the sort of larger national electoral movement? Like I said at the top of this episode, this is part of a much larger movement. And it's part of a national battle around who votes in our elections and who we consider a citizen or a member of our communities worthy of that right. 
California is being watched closely because of the San Francisco case. There's also a pending case in New York City where non-citizens were given the right to vote in municipal elections, and then that was taken away by a superior court challenge. And I think these challenges, like the San Francisco one, and like the New York one, have the potential to go to the Supreme Court. We have a very conservative Supreme Court at the moment. So that may not play out in the favor of people who are advocating for non-citizen voting. But it's a big national issue, and what's happening here in Oakland is just a reflection of a larger trend. Annalise, thank you so much. No problem. Thanks for having me. That was Annalise Finney, a reporter and producer for KQED. Also, hey, are you a last-minute voter? You should check out our episode notes for some last-minute help on all the things on your ballot. I'll leave you a playlist with every episode of our PropFest collaboration with the Bay Curious podcast, where we break down each statewide proposition on the ballot this November. I'll also leave you a link to KQED's voter guide with information on state and local candidates. This 26-minute conversation with Annalise was cut down and edited by Alan Montecilio, our senior editor. Producer Maria Esquinka scored this episode and added all the tape. And I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Thanks so much for listening. Peace. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.